Oh my god, hi. This is Devin from Disney Adult, a podcast brought to you by the Trident Network. On Disney Adult, we bring together Chicago comedians to watch and discuss Disney movies from the perspective of adults. In these movies, there are things we love, things we hate, things that maybe haven't aged so well, and things that are timeless. Uh, the Trident Network's wonderful podcasts, including Disney Adult, can be found anywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. This isn't an accident, you know. It's sabotage, exactly like in Judson's Revenge. I thought I told you to stay in your seat. I'm just trying to help, okay? See, I'm betting that the Phantom of the Megaplex doesn't like your bringing a big Hollywood party into his home. Brian, hey, don't start with me, okay? We have 26 screens here. Things are always going wrong. Yeah, but all in one night? I mean, come on. The candy bin crashing down and now this focus thing? Yeah. And you don't even know about the maniac popcorn machine. Wow. <laughs> hey, Val. Hey, Al. Welcome to D-Commentaries. Thank you. Welcome to you and welcome to all of our listeners. Today, we're talking about Phantom of the Megaplex. Because the old mouse house couldn't have one Halloween movie. They had to have... They needed to have two. two. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Phantom of the Megaplex came out November 10th. It came out two weeks after Halloween, but it's definitely meant to be pseudo halloween related like mm -hmm. it's sort of like not explicitly halloween but like obviously there's a spooky factor to it yeah it was directed by blair true who directed pre-decom pseudo decom wish upon a star starring oh, Catherine heigl he i think it's he um, directed some power rangers stuff and more recently has directed some mormon stuff uh, yeah, <laughs> I think they're focused on, you know, Mormon things now. But this movie was written by Stu Krieger, who we know very well. Stu, uh, shout out. Stu, shout out. That's right. Uh, Stu, in case you have forgotten or did not listen to the previous episodes where Stu wrote the movie, Stu has written Smart House, Xenon, and all of the sequels, True Confessions, Gotta Kick It Up, Going to the Mat, Cowbells, and not a decom, but he also wrote The Land Before Time, mm -hmm. which is a beautiful film. Yeah, we're a big Stu fan in this home. Big Stu fan. Big, big. Stu fan. This cast is humongous, so I'm going to go as fast as I can. There's only one person who I want to talk about extra. Okay, I'm looking forward to who that is. So Taylor Handley played Pete Riley, who's the lead. And he I like recognized him. It probably is from this movie, to be perfectly honest, because he's been in stuff, but he's been in like the OC, which I didn't really watch that much. Vegas, mayor of Kingstown. Like I didn't really recognize anything that he was in, but he definitely looked familiar to me. So it must have just been from this movie. Caitlin Walks played Karen Riley, his younger sister. She doesn't really act anymore, but she was in My Dog Skip. And what I recognized her from was Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood, which is one of my underrated favorite movies um she plays a young ashley judd slash um ellen burston 
Jacob Smith plays Brian Riley, the youngest brother. He was on Party of Five. He was also in the Cheaper by the Dozen movies, but he also does not act anymore. That's who that's who I wanted to talk about. Oh, okay. What what's up? Because I immediately recognized him as a very big Cheaper by the Dozen fan. No. Oh. <laughs> I've never even seen Cheaper by the Dozen. Um, Val, it was one of the I would watch it over and over and over again as a kid. Wow. Oh, so that was like your parent track. Over. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. For those listening, he plays the skateboard one. Cool. Okay. Val, you can speed through the rest. Okay. Corrine Borer played Julie Riley, their mom, who was the, also the mom in Under Wraps. Um, she also played, I believe, Veronica Mars's mom on Veronica Mars. Otherwise, she's just basically a character actor. She's just been in lots of random stuff. John Novak played George, the fiance uh, or boyfriend or whatever of of their mom. Then we have to talk about Mickey Rooney, who plays Movie Mason in this movie. So for anyone who is not familiar with who Mickey Rooney is, he was a child star and then like mega movie star in like the like 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, he was attached to, I want to say MGM. It was like the era where like you contracted to a studio and then you were basically in like 10 movies every month <laughs> with the same studio for like forever. Um, so he like literally has been in hundreds of movies. He grew up doing a lot of musicals, uh, opposite Judy Garland, which I thought it was really cute when he did a little shout out to the Wizard of Oz because he was clearly winking at his old friend. And he uh, more, more, slightly more recently, not like recently, but like slightly more recently was in Breakfast and Tiffany's, which is what a lot of people know him from because he played a very, very, very offensive portrayal of an Asian person in like stereotype in that movie. It's awful. Like it's truly horrifying. Um, maybe the worst representation I've ever seen in like a popular piece of media. It's terrible. Um, the interesting thing about Mickey Rooney, we don't have to spend too much time talking about him, but like he was, he always kind of was obviously very short and sort of awkward looking, but he was also like a playboy in Hollywood, which never made sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. So anyway, that's who Mickey Rooney is. So it like, it's kind of a, like it's, it's clearly there's a reason why he is playing this character, right? This right. person who's in love with like the concept of the movies, right? Anyway, okay, now we'll go faster. Uh, Rich Hutchman played Sean McGibbon. Colin Fox played Wolfgang Niedermeyer, the like owner of the movie theater. Ellen Ray Hennessy played Tori Hicks. I don't even know who that is. Oh, she's Tori Hicks was the agent. Carlo Rota played Tyler Jessamin, the director of the movie at the premiere. Um, Ricky Mabe played Ricky Rules. I'm going to do all their nicknames because I hate them. Um, yeah, me too. Julia Ch- Chantre played Scary Terry. Who um, is in Mean Girls and is the girl who makes out with a hot dog. That's right. Joanne Boland, who we saw last episode in uh mom's got a date with a vampire played hillary honey which was the weirdest tick of a teenage person to have ever we'll talk about it probably a little later 
JJ Stalker played question mark. Also the stupidest thing ever. Lisa Ang played um, Racy Lacey. <laughs> so stupid. Joe Pingay played Merle, the projectionist. I would like to shout out that he has been on a couple episodes of Murdoch Mysteries. Nice. <laughs> I'm, pretty sh- I'm pretty sure they're still filming in Toronto at this point. I didn't look it up, but I can nice. guess. Heather and Jennifer Bertram, who I'm guessing are siblings, played Caitlin and her friend Lisa. So Caitlin is the girl that Pete has a crush on. Oh. The girls who wore sweatsuits to a movie premiere. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jeff Berg played Donnie Holly, the like bad kid, whatever that Brian or Pete hates. Daniel DeSanto played Zeke. Uh, he was also in Mean Girls. Um, Mm -hmm. He plays Jason, Gretchen's boyfriend. Correct. Nicole Hardy played April, who I think is the is uh, Karen's friend who's like in the movie theater uh, with her. And then um, Sarah Gaydon. I actually looked up how to say her last name is also in this movie. Heather. Um, She is the friend next to April in the movie theater who's like, you're going to get us kicked out. (laughs) The like. Yeah. Second most successful person in this out of this movie had that part. Larissa Gomes played Ashley Metz, the sort of like Sarah Michelle Geller of it all. Okay. That's too many people. Too many people. They could have had two employees at the movie theater and done any of those bits, and it would have been much better. And they would have probably cost themselves a quarter of the amount of money that they probably paid for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Here's the synopsis. Pete Riley is a 17-year-old who lands a part-time job at a multiplex in his neighborhood. He and his friends are excited when it's announced that the theater will play host to the premiere of a major motion picture with a number of Hollywood celebrities in attendance. However, when the big night comes, Pete has to contend with disappearing staff, malfunctioning equipment, and a broken popcorn machine. Um, that's just incorrect. Yeah, (laughs) it's just very incorrect. We'll talk about why in a little bit. Um, yeah. (laughs) Al, (laughs) you seem like you want to tell me what your first impressions were. So, Al, uh, what were your first impressions of this movie? Thanks, Val. You know, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it either. I'm going to give it a six and a half. Okay, solid. Which isn't awful. It's not great, but like. I would watch, I would watch it again. Yeah. The acting in some parts isn't good, but overall it's pretty good. I agree. I think it's a fun story. I do. I think I said this last week, but I really enjoy movies that take place in a short period of time. So I really enjoyed that. This was like one night. Mm -hmm. Mickey Rooney is an incredible choice. I mean, (laughs) he fits the reason of why, but it's like, how did he, how did they pull Mickey Rooney? I don't know. know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a fun storyline. I think it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. And there's some twists and turns. And I mean, as an adult, you're like, okay, I can only imagine who it is. Right. But um, <laughs> but as a kid, you're like, oh, no, who could it be? And right. then uh, I'll save my other thought for a little bit later. But Val, what, uh, what were your first impressions? Yeah, I so first of all, I again thought I had not seen this movie. And then as soon as I saw that Mickey Rooney was in it, I was like, oh, this is the one with Mickey Rooney in it. And yeah. then I remembered that I had seen it. And I also only recognized some of these people because they were in this movie. <laughs> so 
So there's yeah. no other, there's no other way that I would know these people's faces. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm definitely seen this movie, but I had obviously hadn't seen it since probably 2000. And, uh, yeah, it was good. I actually thought that the, the young kids were the, were the better actors in the movie. 100%. I did think mom was a good actress too. Yes. Mom's solid. She's good. Mm -hmm. I did think that that whole, and we can talk about this more later, but that whole Mm -hmm. like storyline was completely unnecessary. Correct. (laughs) But I did think that they were like good at efficiently showing that these kids have a healthy relationship with their mom and with each other. And like, it's like a very, it feels very lived in and very real, like all Mm -hmm. of their interactions with each other um, and their motivations and stuff. I also liked that this is a story about like, like capitalism and how it can like yeah. suck you in because, you know, right now we're having a lot of big conversations about this, but back in this era, like that wasn't as big of a conversation. So like, it's interesting that this is an entire story about like basically a kid who by the standards of like what, so- what our society would want is like perfect, right? Because he loves working hard and making money and that's like all he wants. And how like he comes to realize that that's maybe not all there is in life. It's an interesting, interesting choice for 2000. Yeah. I thought it's a fun idea. It's an homage to the, to the movies, which I, you know, I like those kinds of things as cheesy as they often are. Um, I do wish that they had referenced real movies. They, yeah. they spend a lot of time referencing fake movies that we do not see it's just like like as we did in the cold open it's just like judson's revenge what is judson's revenge just ref like i don't think there's any you have to like pay for rights to say like this is like close encounters of the third kind like you know what i'm saying like that'll if anything encourage someone to go watch an old movie you know yeah so that was my like honestly my biggest complaint otherwise i thought it was kind of like I liked the commentary. I think the acting was fun. It was pretty well paced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There weren't, I mean, there were like a few slower parts, but like the, the hijinks kept it fast. Right. Right. I think they could have cut out all of the employees and it would have been totally fine. Right. (laughs) Otherwise. Yeah. That's my, that's one of my comments that I've got. Yeah, for sure. All right. uh, Al, do you have any favorite quotes or moments? Yeah, a few. My least favorite moment is the narration in the beginning that never comes back. (laughs) Aren't you glad it didn't come back? Yeah, but like, if you're going to do it, do it. (laughs) Um, Okay, now things that I liked. Life is like a good movie. Every moment should be savored. Aww. Mom, we're going to see a movie, not crossing the Atlantic in a canoe. (laughs) But that was cute. I remembered so dearly when he says, Phantom of the Megaplex strikes again. And that was on every commercial for this movie. I mean, that was like, Happy Halloween, Phantom of the Megaplex strikes again. Um, in the in the background, uh, the movie is saying no cell phones or pagers during the movie. Thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pager work in this movie. A lot of pager work in this movie. <laughs> Did you have any other favorite quotes or moments? Nope. Val, favorite quotes of her moments? Yeah. Um, at the towards the beginning, Sean says, Terry, rise to my level or be gone. That <laughs> was very funny. When uh Karen is trying to convince her mom to let her go to see a scary movie, she says, We see worse things on the six o'clock news. And girl, yep. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then like, okay, so I don't think this is spoiling anything. All the kids want, so their mom is a widow and all the kids are like desperate for her to get remarried to mm-hmm. her boyfriend. I, like, I'm sure that this has existed in some family, but like, I was shocked. Like I, I, I was like, why are all these kids like obsessed with her getting remarried? I mean, obviously it was just setting up that storyline, but like, I don't know. It was just bizarre. So at one point Karen goes, remember no headlock, no wedlock. Yes. Oh, I wrote that down. I forgot to say it. So funny. I, I, I wrote, um, which could be dirty. That's true. (laughs) Think about it. I will think about it. I will think about it all. I just want everyone to think about it. Just like. So good. (laughs) No headlock. No wedlock. Oof. Oof. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So at one point, Karen, Karen had a lot of good lines. She says, you're so locked into achievement mode. You're the oldest looking teenager I know. <laughs> um, and then uh, Pete tells her to grow up and she goes, I'm trying, but mom won't let me. <laughs> um, I did really enjoy that he was 17 in this movie. Yeah. Like he's a little bit older. Yeah. It's yeah. not. Oh, I'm 13. Right. And I can do anything. No. Yeah. I really liked that he was that he was a little bit older. Yeah, and then they got to have the dynamic where he didn't take his siblings seriously, mm-hmm. but they knew what they were talking about, and there had to be that overcoming of that, and that was cool. Yeah. And I liked how the mom called them the littles because... Oh, yeah, I thought that was so cute. It was so cute, and also it it tugged at my heartstrings because my dad called me little. Oh, so you are little. <laughs> I am. I was very little. <laughs> I was little. So he would just be like, little... Oh, did you have a pet name from either of your parents? Um, mm-mm. my cousin calls me Al Pal. Still to this day. That was your email, right? Alien Al Pal, baby. <laughs> Hell yeah. Send well, me it. Send me a message. <laughs> I think yeah. I still have access to it. That's so funny. I theoretically still have access to my AOL, but I don't know yeah. how to log in. Um, we're talking about a lot of stuff on here that Gen Z is going to be like, what the heck is that? <laughs> like oh, yeah. Pagers. We have a ton of Gen Z listeners. <laughs> we have so many. Yeah. To all our Gen Z listeners, please Google the following list of words. <laughs> Mickey Rooney. Pagers. Academy Award. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, at one point, the the like boyfriend of the mom said something that just like hit me to my core. Personally, I've never been comfortable trying something. I didn't know I'd already that I'd succeed at. I don't think I heard that one. Yeah. I probably subconsciously blocked it out of like on purpose. Probably. It was when they were having a conversation. They were having a heavily metaphor filled conversation. Yeah. Um, about marriage. Um, Oh, also, there was another moment. This isn't really spoiling anything, but someone said, I've seen Katie Seagal and LeVar Burton. And I was like, we got okay, some we DCOM can, shout we outs. Can, we can 
mention real people, but we can't re- mention real movies. Right. But also it was so cool that they mentioned two people who were affiliated with DCOMs. Yeah. That have come before this. Because Katie Seagal was in Smart House and LeVar Burton directed, um, directed Smart House. Right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Which um, would make sense then because Stu Krieger. That's right. Stu Krieger wrote Smart House. Now it's all coming together. Um, okay. I think those are all my quotes. Shall we, shall we get, uh, take, put just our, our vests and our bow ties and nothing else. Vests, bow ties, nothing else. Let's all go to the movies nude. Let's all go to the movies nude. Let's all go to the movies nude. Cause we're in spoiler city. Woohoo. Our tops are off. We're in Spoiler City, baby. Um, I took so many notes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Val, are you ready? I'm so ready. Are you ready? Hey, lights up on a narration. Uh, we see that the movie theater was built in town in 1928, and the very first movie that was ever played was Phantom of the Opera. And then the movie theater was destroyed, and they said that one moviegoer got stuck in the theater and died while they were destroying it, and it's still a fable today. Um, but then they rebuilt the movie theater, and now it's a fancy megaplex. Um, we see Sean McGibbon, the senior manager, um, who is like basically the senior manager of the movie theater. Um, and they are hosting, um, this Hollywood style premiere tonight at the theater because, um, the movie was shot in town and they wanted to bring back like the actors to, to premiere the movie at this theater. Um, the theater owner's name is Wolfgang Niedermeyer and he's the one coordinating between like the famous people and the senior manager. Then we meet Pete, who was our narrator, and he is the assistant manager of the movie theater, who is 17 years old, very independent and like really cool guy. He's Mm -hmm. like, he's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he's introducing all of our employees. So we have Ricky Rules, Gary Terry, Hillary Honey, Question Mark, Gracie Lacey, Movie (laughs) Mason, um, Merle, and the most important one that I just said was Movie Mason. So that's our Ricky Mickey Rooney of of the movie, our Ricky Mooney of the movie, um, <laughs> which I did write down Mooney a lot because I swear to God, this entire time I thought his name was Mooney. It is not, but I'm gonna call him Mooney. So just letting you know for reference. <laughs> um, so Movie Mason was uh, his family opened up the original movie theater in 1928. He doesn't work there, but he thinks he does because he's this old, cute little old guy who just comes to the movies all the time, like is living in this like loves the movies fantasy world. Super cute. Um, so we find out that Pete is getting this girl that he likes into the movie theater for a premiere, which is why the night for Pete has to be perfect. But for everyone else, it has to be perfect because they're hosting all these famous people. Um, then Sean McGibbon, our senior manager, gets a phone call that he's not going to be general manager of the theater, which why are you telling him the night of this big premiere? I don't know. But for some reason, it happens three hours right after he's introing everyone like, don't mess up tonight. Um, and then we see everyone starting to prep for the event. 
so they're setting things up, getting popcorn ready, all this stuff. And then in the meantime, the event is at like seven o'clock, but then they're still having other people come into the movie theater at like for two and three thirty showings. It just makes no sense. I don't know. This, this timeline. The event was at midnight because the movie was midnight. Oh, was it midnight? So they were like showing movies the whole night, like at normal times. Mm. And then they were just getting everyone out. Kicking everyone out at like 10, 1030 and then like had an hour until midnight. OK, yeah. I didn't hear that. It was midnight. So thank you, Val. Um, so then, uh, Sean makes this weird comment that he's going to blame Pete if anything goes wrong. And it's just like, that's our, our intro to the movie theater. So since, uh, they were getting ready in the morning and then Pete goes back home. So we see his home life. Um, we see our single mom talking to sister Karen and Karen's trying to be like, mom, can I go to the movies? And mom is like, I'm going on a date tonight with George. And then Karen, the sister is like, okay, well, are you going to get engaged soon? And it was so forward. It was very interesting. Um, and she goes like, I don't really know. Um, but you have to babysit. And so then the little brother comes along. Um, his name's Brian. And he's like, mom, I want to go to the movies tonight. I want to go see farmer Glenn or whatever it is. And so she goes, Oh, Karen wants to go to the movies. You guys can go together to see farmer Glenn. And Karen's like, what the heck? And he's like, yes. Our mom's like, ha ha, sucks to suck. But um, <laughs> Pete will drive you home before the premiere. You guys just have to be home before midnight. So the plan is uh, Karen and Brian will go to see the movie. And then um, Pete will drive them home after like the movies have ended. But before the premiere starts, then we see this one on one with mom and Pete which is like weirdly long for some reason, but uh, we get just more context of like Pete is a really hard worker and he really wants to have money. And so it's that capitalism thing that Val was talking about earlier. And I really liked the dynamic of mom, which I'm glad, you know, this is spoiler city. So whatever, like comes back in the end, but she's just like, you're a kid. You got to enjoy yourself where you look at Brink's dad, who was so like, you need to get a job and you need to pay all these things. And I just like really liked the like, enjoy your youth while you have it like mm -hmm. um the side of mom in this movie then we are cut back to the movie theater so we are getting ready for premiere night and people are calling out so for some reason within the last two hours people are getting sick and calling out of work and things are starting to become a disaster then Karen lied to mom that she was going to take her brother to see Farmer Glenn, which she is going to take the brother to see Farmer Glenn, but she's going to sneak into the scary movie University of Death. And the brother is like, fine, I will do it if you like do my laundry and like give me a granola bar or something. I don't know. They like make a bet that he's like, OK, fine, I won't say anything, but like give buy me candy. Mm -hmm. Um, then we learn that Donnie uh, is a new character that we have is like the other love interest of Caitlin. Caitlin is the girl that Pete had invited to the movie and Donnie is there and he's really worried that Caitlin is going to fall in love with Donnie instead of Pete. And he's like, well, I'm working. How am I going to talk to her? Even though I'm getting her into the premiere, blah, 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 blah. Then Mickey Rooney shows up because there, this is just a regular day at the theater and the people are out the door. And so they're understaffed. And that's where we see Jason from Mean Girls. And then Mickey Rooney is like, hey, I will step up and help. I'll take tickets. And Sean's like, are you sure you can do that? And he goes, yep. And he's like, are you sure? I'm not going to pay you. And Mickey Rooney goes, yep. Um, so then he like puts a little bow tie on him and we're all set. 
Then Karen and Brian show up to the theater and they're like, why is this line so long? So the line has not moved, even though Mickey Rooney is helping them out. And we find out that Mickey Rooney is trying to convince people to see Genevieve's square. And <laughs> um, <laughs> and so he's just like talking to people. He's not taking tickets. He's just like, what are you doing? And so um, Sean comes over and yells at him. He's like, you're holding up the line. And he fires him after only being hired for like 10 minutes. Um, and Mickey Rooney is like very defeated and very sad, which was very sad john sucks so then we see uh karen and brian are in the theater and brian accidentally breaks the gumball machine he like breaks off the little door and donnie comes over to try to fix it and in the meantime of fixing it all of the gumballs spill onto the floor and if you've ever seen a cartoon where human beings are trying to walk on a surface and then tiny little marbles or gumballs like truly five times the amount of people who slipped and fell on these gumballs is astronomical but wait Um, pete's solution (laughs) the solution of pete he gets a hockey stick puts the garbage can down and starts hockey swiping the (laughs) like if you were hitting a hockey puck hitting the gumballs and the crowd goes wild. I mean, they're like, yeah, woo. And it's literally one gumball at a time. And there are at least a thousand gumballs in the crowd. Yeah, it didn't solve anything. It it did act it actually like did nothing. Um, then as he uh Pete is cleaning up the gumballs, we see Donnie pulls Caitlin into the theater and he is sad. Then Karen puts Brian into the farmer movie and says, Stay here, do not go anywhere. And then she goes with her two friends into the University of Death. Then we see Pete, he goes to talk to Caitlin, and he's just like, Pete is trying to get Caitlin to like him better than Donnie. And so he, so he goes, Oh, well, you're coming to the premiere, I can get you to meet the famous guy. And she's like, oh, the famous guy? And he's like, yeah, the famous guy. And so she's like back into him. Um, And then the hijinks continue. So the popcorn machine freaks out and there is just popcorn everywhere. It's like, in a different way, not like. So, okay. So you hear the difference between those two sounds. So it's like, and then. So the popcorn (laughs) one. Um, And then we see a broken projector and then Brian leaves because he's like, something's going on. And so then we are convinced that it's the sabotage of the Phantom because then there was another projector broken with the lights in a different theater. So like all of these things are just continuously happening and everyone's like, where is Sean? Everyone's saying it's the Phantom. And then we see the Phantom. And then we see that Sean was tied up downstairs in like the basement lobby and something tied him up. He had duct tape on his mouth. He was tied up with rope. And uh, so he's freaking out. And he's like, you guys, there's only 60 minutes till showtime. We have to figure this out. I don't know what is happening, but like, get the, get your act together. But something, you know, is after us. Like, this is a disaster. Um, then as they're like going back up to figure everything out, the escalators shut down. So it's like another thing. And Brian wants to keep like trying to find the phantom and they're like, no, but then they hear cyclone summer. And then in the cyclone summer theater is an actual tornado in the theater, which literally someone just turned on a big fan. It's a big fan. That apparently is just like, things are flying out of the screen. You're probably getting here, but they start to realize that like all of the things are like related to the movie title. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know that I was really going to mention that until after, just because of whatever. But um, okay. yes, Val. No, no, no. Val is correct. So even in the farmer movie, we hear the farmer talking about the plotline of his movie, and it correlates to our movie. And then Cyclone Summers. Cyclone summer and, and like things are happening. It's windy in the theater and it happens yeah. to be in cyclone summer and the lights are turning off and it happens to be in the, the spooky lights movie, you know, like it, right. It, like the dark, they, like it's something in the dark or whatever. Yeah. Like they're yeah. very heavily coordinated to like what's going on in their theaters. Okay. So then after this, um, mom and George, uh, realized they couldn't find a place that they wanted to eat because they were closed or whatever. And so they have this really interesting conversation in the car that we see for some reason they're in the storyline. They, we didn't need them, but here they are. And they have this metaphorical talk about marriage. And she's like, well, the restaurant's closed, but you see those potted plants and how happy they are. And if you uprooted those plants, wouldn't they be unhappy? And so it's basically they're just talking in innuendos of like, should we get married or not? Then mom gets a call from Pete to come pick up the kids because he's like, hey, shite's going down. Like, come pick these kids up. And as they're on their way, George's car dies. And so she calls back and says, put go to the bench, sit on the bench and I will be there. But like, then we see this hilarious, I mean, hilarious. I mean, 100 out of 100 hilarity of hijinks with the payphone. <laughs> it's like really, really funny. It's really, really smart, right? They picked the two best of the employees. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, just like silly hijinks of like her trying to get the kids down on the bench and then um, they're not on the bench because they're looking for the phantom. And then um, they ended they were on the bench and then they moved off the bench because things kept happening. Then Karen and Brian kind of go off on their own to try to find the phantom because Pete is doing managerial things. And they find Mickey Rooney in the basement and they're like, oh, this is his hideout because they at first they thought it was was him. And so they're like, oh, he hides here. And then he's like, no, this is just like my safe haven. There's this very beautiful moment talking about movie magic and uh, a lot of nice quotes. And so they realize that like Mooney is a really great guy. I keep saying Mooney. I'm just going to call him Mooney. Um, (laughs) Then we cut to this crazy lady in a yellow suit threatens the theater and Sean, her name is Tori Hicks. I wrote it after. Um, And she's just like threatening them. Like I have all these famous people and this better go well. And if it doesn't, I'm going to shut you down. And it was very threatening. Well, she's an agent. She's a Hollywood agent. Yeah. And I did love her yellow suit though. Mm -hmm. I did love the yellow suit. Um, The moment she leaves, like the fire alarm goes off. (laughs) Um, And so then, um, Karen and Brian at this point think Merle is the phantom because a lot of the hijinks have to do in the in the film booth. So with a lot of the technology and they're like, only Merle knows how to do this technology like no one else knows how to do it. So they go back up to the booth and they see they talk to Merle and Merle's like, y'all, it's not me because you're stupid. Um, But then as they're talking to Merle, they look down into the theater and they see the phantom. So they're like, oh, yeah, it can't be Merle because there's the phantom. And then they run into another uh, tech booth and Sean was tied to the door. Um, and he, they're running out of suspects. They're like, okay, can't be you, 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 who is it? And they like, I they just don't know because they're like running out of people because all of the people who they thought it was, they're ruling out. Wolfgang Niermeyer calls, he's on his way and they're like, pretend nothing is wrong. And then we have a moment where Caitlin finally likes Pete and then Niedermeyer shows up and he's like, 
okay, can we come in now? Because they've been like standing outside the theater like a movie premiere, but everyone's just been standing outside. So like literally all these famous people are probably just lined up just like, (laughs) it's like not being able to go into the Dolby theater, you know, it's just like, you're just going to stand on the red carpet, but for like two hours. (laughs) Um, And so they're like, okay, let us go. And then one of the like Rosie Ruby sees a string and then pulls the string. And then all of these water balloons fall on to the famous people and fall on to everyone right in the lobby. And they're like, what the heck? And Karen and Brian figure out that like midnight mayhem, what's the plot of midnight mayhem. If they're everyone, they're going to get trapped in the movie theater because all of these hijinks are following along the plot lines. And as they're leaving the computer, Karen finds this key. She doesn't know what it's for, but it's on the floor. And of course, she's got a great eye. And as Niedermeyer's coming in, he's like, where's the monster I paid for that was supposed to be on the front of the building? Right, 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 right. So right before we try to figure out what the ha- is happening with the monster, Mickey Rooney is singing a song on the red carpet yeah. as a diversion. <laughs> Sean... <laughs> Sean tells him to go away. And then the famous uh, Madison Ashley Metz is like, hey, don't talk to him that way. And it turns out she's friends with Mickey Rooney because she grew up in town and she's known Mickey Rooney forever. And so they're trying to find out what happened to this huge ass monster and they can't find the key. And then she's like, and then Karen's like, oh, this key. Um, And they're like, wow, weird that you had it. (laughs) And we have a heartfelt moment between the siblings of like, you never listen to us. And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. And then the phantom captures them and ties them up. Um, And then they try to untie themselves and it doesn't work at first. And so we cut away to the movie premiere starting. We have an intro from Niedermeyer. We have an intro from the director, Jessamine, who is wearing the most incredible protozoa silver long trench coat blazer. (laughs) And then we see the monster that was supposed to be on the roof gets blown up from the mezzanine of the theater and it starts to squish people. Its mouth eats the director. (laughs) Um, Then Pete has the idea that he needs to destroy the monster. And in this movie theater, it's very interactive. They have a sword in the stone. So he tries to remove the sword from the stone. He's like, I can't do it. And then Merle comes and he's like, dude, you just got to flip the switch off. So he flips it off and then he pulls it out. And then he jumps onto the big blow up monster and yells. He doesn't. A grown man does. A grown man does. Yeah. Um, But he yells, Geronimo. And I wrote a bunch of question marks because I was like, why are you yelling Geronimo? That's a movie thing. That's like from an old movie. Great. I hated it. Um, And he swords the monster to save the day. Then Pete sees the phantom or Brian sees the phantom from behind the stage, screams at Pete and says, he's right there. And then we have this really cool fight shadow, like like shadow fight choreography from behind the movie screen. And they're like, just the hijinks ensue and they're climbing the ladder and they're climbing the rope and blah, blah, blah. And then they break through the screen. And my favorite part of this was people were just watching just like, ah, ah, woo. What? And I'm like, no one's going to help. No, they were watching a silent film. Stupid. <laughs> and um, so then he breaks, breaks through the screen and then Pete pulls off the mask of the Phantom. And what do you know? It's Sean. And Niedermeyer yells at him. He gets fired. They all run after him. And um, then the director actually runs after him and is like, hey, man, this is a cool story. Phantom of the Megaplex. 
the Sean Gibbons story. <laughs> I just wrote, ugh. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Brian goes, well, like, that's it. All we need now is a four star Hollywood ending. And George proposes. <laughs> Of all the things, they could have literally done anything. <laughs> Truly. Um, Pete offered senior manager. So he's like, uh, Niedermeyer's like, hey, uh, Sean's no longer here and everyone's getting promoted up. Do you want it? And he goes, yeah. And then goes, wait, I think I need to take more time for myself. So he just remains so he no. in the position that he's already in. Yeah. So he's just doing assistant. Um, I mean, sure. And then he's like, but can I have the rest of the night off? And he's like, yeah. And then they all convince uh, mom to let Karen and Brian stay and happily ever after. <laughs> six, six and a half. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was fine. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it was a movie. <laughs> it was a movie. Um, I think it would have been a much stronger ending if they'd forgotten about all the parent stuff. And like, I don't know exactly what, but like if something happened with like, mickey rooney like getting to have some kind of like movie ending you know what i mean like i don't know he got like the movie deal or something rather than sean yeah i agree yeah i don't know i think it was a fine movie there was just a few things i would tweak um but you know Stu creaker does a great job yeah he does a great job i did uh write down i think it's sean oh nice Mm -hmm. i couldn't remember and so I was just like, I'm not going to try and guess. I'm just going to yeah. be along uh, my, for the ride. My original guess was, I think it's Mickey Rooney going into the movie, being mm. like, I just am remembering that it's Mickey Rooney. And then you start to watch and you're like, it's not Mickey Rooney. It's too <laughs> obvious. It, and then one of the lines is like, well, in this movie, the person who was most recently hurt by capitalism or whatever. And they're like, it has to be Mooney. Um, but then you think about it and you're like, oh, well, Sean was hurt by capitalism. I know that's not it, but that's basically it. Yeah. Um, okay, great. Are we ready for bingo? Yeah, let's play some bingo. Phantom of the Mega Bingo. Ooh. <laughs> All right, I'm going to start today, Val. Yeah, I do it. One hit wonder song. I didn't notice any music in this movie. Me neither. The only song that I noticed was Mickey Rooney's song on the red carpet. Oh, yeah, but that was like a classic song. So I don't think that counts as a one hit wonder. Uh, okay, next box. Uh, breaking the fourth wall, looking into the camera. No. Nope. Holiday themed. I don't know. Do you think we can count it? I don't think we can count it, but I think we can put our uh, pumpkin there. <laughs> okay. Even it was a Halloween it's, movie. Even it doesn't count, but yeah. <laughs> okay. last, year, last week was New Year's. This week is um, Halloween again. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, clunky metaphor. I mean, they did it for us. The whole plant conversation. Mm-hmm. So. Pretty close to me. Also, I mean, there's, I guess, a larger metaphor. It's weird because, like, if you think about it, like, watching movies, you're not living your own life. And it's sort of like what he's doing by working too much. But at the same mm-hmm. time, like, this is an homage to movies. So I don't think that was intentional. But I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Parents who just don't get it. No. No, she gets it. She gets it. Cool non-parent adult. Mooney. Oh, His yeah. His name is not Mooney. It's, it's Movie Mason. Movie Mason or Mickey Rooney. Depending yeah. on. <laughs> uh, I think it's you. Someone too famous for a TV movie. Bet Mickey your Rooney. sweet dollar bottom that tomorrow. 
<laughs> Mickey Rooney. Competition to resolve the central problem. Nope. Nope. Unless you count the competition of pulling the sword out of the stone. <laughs> 10,000 times. Yeah. Um, a montage sequence. I didn't notice one. I noticed like a half of one. It was like two things before they went to, but it didn't count. Well, we're not counting it. Okay. Cliche villains. I mean, mm. yeah. <laughs> Both versions, like the Phantom and just angry manager. Yeah. <laughs> Closer items you owned. I didn't see anything. The only, I thought, I thought if I wanted to really stretch... I used to always call my parents to pick me up from the payphones at the movie theater. Wow. When I was in like middle school. So that was the only thing that was even remotely close. <laughs> but I don't think that counts. I'm happy to count either way. No, we don't have to count it. It was a stretch, but right. it was I thought about That's it. That's fun. Yeah. I don't think I ever used payphone. Yeah, I needed we like basically all through like whenever basically like ladder elementary through like the very beginning of high school was all pay phones. Wow. Yeah. And phone cards. Phone cards. <laughs> all right. Your turn. Gen Z phone card Gen is Z. a debit card, but it's just for making phone calls. Uh, rotten tomatoes, 40 to 60. Okay. In case you don't remember if I get within five in my guess, I get to feel really smart. If it's between 40 and 60, we get the square. I'm going to say the last couple have gotten like 51. So I'm going to say 49. 58. Damn. This one's yeah. more highly rated than the other me. Yeah. I guess. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay. Uh, happily ever after. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Almost kissing. No. no. Even From though there's no a one freaking engagement and he gets a girlfriend there's so many opportunities and none none, none whatsoever zilch zilch kiss zilch kiss like buck kiss but zilch kiss zilch kiss <laughs> someone who became famous i mean we counted sarah gaden last time so yeah let's do it i think we gotta do it again and the amount of like character actors yeah i'd say uh betraying of one's real friends or values no no, not this time. Your childhood crush. I mean, I thought he was very cute when I was a kid. Same. And also, I definitely had a crush on the kid from uh, Cheaper by the Dozen. Like <laughs> the 100%. Little guy? Uh -huh. <laughs> At this age, or was he a little older in Cheaper by the Dozen? He was a little bit older, but I think I was like 10. Right, right, right. That makes sense. Obviously bad special effects or stunts. Um, yes. The when, old man who jumped onto the monster. Yeah. When, when it's quote unquote Pete jumping to deflate the giant uh, monster, it is definitely not Pete, not Pete. <laughs> jumping. It's like not very Pete. clearly not Pete. <laughs> yeah. Um, next we have our Disney Channel stars, Square, Eric Von Denton, Kirsten Sorms, Ryan Merriman, Kimberly J. Brown, Annie Lawrence brother, and not today. Nope. Not nope, today. Nope. Although we've got like every teenager uh, in Toronto in this right. <laughs> um, uh Musical number. Nope. Unless you count Biggie Rooney. Biggie Rooney. Hooray for <laughs> Hollywood. <laughs> we don't have to count. That's okay. Uh, magic. 
know. We're led to believe that there is magic. No, he does mention movie magic a lot, but science is the real magic. Science is the real magic. Someone says the title of the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Eight million times. Yeah. Uh, Scooby-Doo. Oh, yes. Yep. I wrote early on. Looks like some Scooby-Doo and... <laughs> <laughs> Looks like they are Scooby-Doo'd. <laughs> the heroes create the problem. No. Nope. Lead is a fish out of water. Nope. Not even remotely. Val, taking a look at our bingo chart, we have no bingo. Ah, oh, I had a if feeling. We, if we had breaking the fourth wall, we would have had a bingo. But yeah, alas. Now on to the game. Sweet. So in the movie of Phantom of the Megaplex, Mickey Rooney brings up that uh, Genevieve Square or the wishes of Genevieve or Genevieve Glimpse. must die. Glimpses of Genevieve glimpses of genevieve uh won a lot of awards and nominations so in the spirit of movies i've created a game called how many noms did these movies get um and val is gonna have to not guess the amount of uh nominations that these movies got but have to get a range of what these movies got okay um these are the best pictures from 2010 to 2020 Mm. there's 11 possible points val Okay. Uh, I'll give you a bonus point per each if you can guess the amount before I tell you. But the way to play this game is you will have to guess whether it was over or under seven nominations. Okay. And are we just talking about Oscar nominations specifically? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So if it is, if you think it's seven, then it goes higher. Okay. And Val, do you want to start with 2020 or do you want to start with 2010? Let's start with 2010. Okay, great. So we're going to start with 2010. I need lower than seven or seven or higher. The King's Speech. Higher. And how many do you think that uh, they got? They would have gotten like costumes and hair, stuff like that. So let's say 11. Very close. You are correct uh, with higher and they got 12. Oh, I was close. Wow. Very close. Yeah. Um, all right. In 2011, we had the artist. Ooh, that one would have gotten a lot. So definitely higher. Um, I'm going to say 14. Very close. Uh, you are correct. It was 13. Ooh. All right. 2012, we have Argo. Oh, I like Argo. Um, I remember this winning because I remember Ben Affleck winning. Yeah. It's a great with John movie. Goodman's in it, right? Yeah. I just watched it again recently and it holds up. It's really good. It's not like a period piece, so it's it's not like stylized, so it might have gotten less. I'm going to say lower and I'm going to guess 5. Both incorrect. Ugh. It was 7. Ah, okay. So you higher on that one. Okay. It okay. wasn't too far off though. No. Nope. Um, all right, 2013, we had 12 years a slave. Ooh, okay. Definitely higher. Um, this one's gonna have because like Lupita, didn't she win? I think um, so. Oh man, this is gonna have let's say 16. You are correct that it's higher, it's nine. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. 
I'm very surprised that it's that low. I will let you know um, the highest is going to be 13. Oh, okay. All right, 2014 Birdman. Oh, I haven't seen that. I heard it's kind of hard to watch. Um, the coolest thing about it is that it's shot in one shot. Right, right. Uh, I'm going to say lower, six. Higher, nine. Damn it. 2015 Spotlight. Oh, I love that movie. Have you seen that? That's one? interesting because I hated this movie. <gasps> really? This was the this was the first year I had seen all of the uh nominations. Oh. And wow. this was my least favorite. Oh wow. Spotlight's one of my favorite movies like ever. Yeah, I really hated it. Oh. It was like the same year as like the big short and all that stuff. And actually, I think it was the same year as Room. Room would have been my choice. Mm. And or Bridge of Spies. I actually really, really liked Bridge of Spies. Mark Rylance was incredible. Tom Hanks is in it too. Yeah, I've seen Bridge of Spies. The problem was that Bridge of Spies got panned by critics. Right. So it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't going to win. And neither was Room. Right. I think it was between Spotlight and Big Short. Hmm? Brie won, didn't she? Yes, she did win for Actress. Yeah. Um, Great movie. Yeah. Um, Again, not like a ton of stuff. I'm going to say lower six correct on both whoa nice okay. i mean you're getting a point where i mean the, it's just a bonus point yeah, yeah yeah um but great job thank you nice 2016 the controversial but not controversial because it's well-deserved moonlight oh yes um only controversial because of, of <laughs> how it went down of how it went down and how it was announced. <laughs> uh, Michael and I were in Pop Century watching the the Oscars with his brother and his dad asleep in the bed next to us. And we were like whisper screaming. With oh that. my God. Do you see what's happening right now? <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Moonlight was amazing. amazing. Uh, so sad. So beautiful. Definitely higher than seven. I'm going to say nine. Close. Eight. Oof. Good job on the correct way, though. Um, all right. 2017, we have The Shape of Water. Oh, yeah. Okay. This one's definitely going to be higher because it had all the crazy CGI and costumes and whatnot. Um, let's say 10. 13. Oh, wow. Okay, this is the highest one. I was really surprised at that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of makes sense just because it probably qualified for a lot of categories just because yeah. it's what it is. Yeah. Um. All right, we have 2018's Green Book. I have not seen this. This is the one I was talking about that's controversial. It is controversial, which is part of why I haven't seen it. Um. <laughs> well, and then to give context, Green Book won because the way that you vote for the Academy Awards is is by a ranking system. So enough people had put Green Book high enough on their list for it to get enough points for it to win. Also, most of the people who voted on the Academy are white. (laughs) It's a movie about a white savior. Yeah. So, you know. Goes hand in hand. Yeah. So I'm going to guess that it was nominated for a lot because it is like historic. It's a period piece. So there's costumes and blah, blah. So I'm going to say higher. I'm going to say seven. Exactly. Five. It was lower. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
2019 Parasite. I also haven't seen this mostly because I think it's going to give me a lot of anxiety, but I know I should watch it. It is so good. It will give you anxiety. Watch it during the daytime. It's not like a thriller, but like watch it during the daytime, but it's so good. Um, It got, I feel like it got nominated for a lot. Definitely higher. Eight? Lower. It was six. No. Yeah. And our last one, 2020 Nomadland. Ah, yes. Another one I haven't gotten to yet. Um, Very good. It doesn't, if you don't like movies without a plot, this movie does not have a plot. (laughs) It is Uh, very good and it's very beautiful. Uh, It's just, it's a plotless movie. So a lot of people didn't like it because, what? Chloe Chloe Zhao directed it? Yes, Chloe Zhao and uh, Frances McDormand. Um, uh, Lower six. That is correct. (gasps) Wow. Lower six. All right, so I'm just going to count total of 11, but your bonus bonus points count toward. So um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine points out of wow. 11. Wow. Great job. Heck yeah. Nice. Thanks for playing. How many gnomes of these movies get? <laughs> I, I, I never remember. It's okay. It's beautiful. Well, Val, this was great. I feel yeah. like, you know, I feel like we really enjoy talking movies and this was a movie about movies and I feel mm-hmm. like it was it was fun in a different kind of way this week. I agree. And I always enjoy, no matter what we're talking about, talking about it with you. Me? Yeah, you. <laughs> oh, thanks, Val. I enjoy talking to you, too. My Nothing in my technology is working today, but then whenever I jump on, I'm always happy to see my friend Val. I'm always happy to see you. <laughs> all right Val, what are we watching next week uh we are watching holiday classic the ultimate christmas present. christmas never dies <laughs> christmas is forever which is coming out on february 8th well you know what the thing about february is it's still cold that's true and february is like cold it snows and you're like man i wish it was still christmas because then there would be something fun to do oh during all i this. wish it could be christmas every day exactly also i would like to remind everyone once again that you can now rate podcasts on spotify so please do that do it even if you don't listen to your uh spot podcasts on spotify when you are on spotify unless you're an apple music user which then go read us on our apple podcast <laughs> Jump on your Spotify account and uh, give us a give us a whole big five stars right yeah. in the face. And uh, we'll see y'all for Christmas. We'll see you in, in two weeks for Christmas. Everyone get excited. And the cool thing, Val, about all our episodes is that you can listen to them whenever. So right. this upcoming holiday season, December 2022, you can listen to our next episode. That is right. That is correct. But listen to it also when it comes But like also listen to it February. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, Val. Bye, Val. This podcast was produced by me. And me. And it was edited by me. The music was composed by Michael McNally. You can find us online at thetridentnetwork.com slash decommentaries hyphen pod. And you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at decommentaries. D-Commentaries is a part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com. Disney Channel Original Movies. Damn it, Ellie.